Hi, I'm Bill Mosley, and you're in the horror basement. <laughs> Lick my plate, you dog bitch. guys so on this interview we have the amazing joe bob briggs you might know him from uh the last drive-in <laughs> he also shut down the internet or the uh streaming app shutter from his last marathon that he had and with that being said you can go to shutter.com and use our promo code tnhor t-n-h-o-r-o-r and get your 30-day free trial so you can go watch the Dinners of Death, too. Uh, Joe Bob, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. This is actually pretty fucking awesome, <laughs> if I may say. Uh, how did it feel to uh, shut down a streaming service? Well, it's kind of mixed feelings because, uh, on the one hand, uh, you know, you want people to watch. And so uh, nobody could see it because, you know, it crashed right when the thing started. Um, And uh, on the other hand, people were so excited that it crashed, you know, that I got all the social media saying, oh, you know, Joe Bob, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, You know, you crashed the Internet. You crashed the servers. And of course, and by the way, we didn't just crash the shutter servers; we crashed the Sundance Channel servers too. Oh wow! <laughs> I don't know how that happens. <laughs> but but uh, so I mean, I'm sure they were they were like, "What the fuck?" So yeah, but it was uh, it was ultimately a it, it was ultimately a good thing. I mean, we have no idea how many people actually watch the show because when it shuts down like that, you don't really you don't really have any data. So, um, uh, but you know, uh, most people tell me, uh, I say, did you watch? And they say, well, we tried to watch. And I say, well, uh, did you watch any of it? And they say, well, yeah, it kind of started up about halfway through the second movie. So, you know, it started out with tourist trap and then it went to sleepaway camp and most people got in sometime around sleepaway camp. And then, uh, you know, the ones, the ones I worked hardest on were the first one and the last one. And and uh, uh, it crashed again on the last one. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and well, so uh, I guess people were like tuning in to uh, watch the very end of it. <clears throat> and so it crashed again. But uh, hopefully uh, this coming Thursday, uh, they've got it. They've got it all worked out. And, uh, you know, whatever technicians we have won't spill Dr. Pepper on the computer or whatever, <laughs> whatever. You know, so um, so I think they're I think they're ready this time. Oh I was yeah. Talking to a guy, we're stress testing it. We're stress testing. It. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever. The Cisco guys are here. Cisco, you know, Cisco the computer yeah. IT guys. Yeah. All over the place. Like stress testing. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Let's go. They gonna keep them on hand, so uh, just in case it happens again, they can try to address it a lot quicker. But hopefully, they got their servers good and everything and ready to go. I think it wouldn't be fun a second time. No, <laughs> it was so. It was the first time, but this time it just wouldn't be fun anymore. Yeah. So, uh, how do you feel about the current state of a uh, horror? 
You know, I get asked that a lot. I, I don't, I don't, uh, uh, I'm never quite sure what people mean by that because, you know, horror never goes away. It's more, you know, more or less popular at any given time, but there's always, there's always great horror films and bad horror films. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what people mean is, you know, people in the hardcore fan base for horror sometimes ask, is it a good thing that, uh, the fan base has become broader, you know, and yes, the answer is yes. That's a very good thing. Um, it's a very good thing that the shape of water, a monster movie wins the Academy award. It's a very good thing that it, the remake of it makes however much money it made $400 million, $500 million. I don't know. A lot. Um, it's a very good thing that everyone thinks the Halloween, um, sequel. Um, you know, it's a very good thing that um, uh, Jordan Peele made a new subgenre of uh, horror when he when he made Get Out. Um, all of those things are 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 uh, really good things. People are always, um, you know, there's two kinds of horror fans. There's a horror fan that goes and watches every single horror film ever made. That's my audience. They want to see everything ever made. You know. <laughs> um, and then there's the there's the guy that sees one horror film a year, you know. And so we need that guy that sees one horror film a year because that's when you get the big the big numbers. And then the studio executives and the indie executives and everything, they make that horror script that that they've been thinking about making, but they they, they thought it might be too risky, you know. And then they see those big numbers and they make stuff that they wouldn't otherwise make. So big numbers on a horror film always help the smaller horror films to get made and so yeah it's a good thing it's a good thing the way people are are uh, going to horror this year i have to say there's a negative reason that people are going are doing it you know people are looking for escapism because they can't stand the what's going on in washington dc mm-hmm. they're like saying i don't do politics anymore I don't, you know, I'm, I'm checking out of that. <laughs> I'm doing something else, you know, you know, I'm collecting stamps. I'm, you know, I'm, oh, yeah. and, and one of the things they're doing is, is like, I'm, I'm doing these deep dives into horror. I'm binge watching, I'm doing this stuff, you know? So, uh, part of, part of the reason there's such an interest in horror is, is this sort of the ultimate, um, uh, escapist pastime, you know, for people that are, that are, reality yeah i read somewhere that you can't get dinners of death the rumblings of the the new series can you give us any details on that uh, um yeah uh you know first we're doing the mini marathon on thanksgiving called dinners of death mm-hmm. nine o'clock eastern time and then on christmas we're doing a very joe bob christmas on the 21st of december uh, uh the friday before christmas uh nine again nine o'clock eastern time and they're they're li- they're on the live stream. You got to show up for the event. And then um, starting sometime after the first of the year, um, we're going to do a double a weekly double feature. I'm I they don't really tell me when we're going to start. I think we're going to start in March to tell you the truth. But um, uh, um, it's just going to be exactly like my old format on my old show, Monster Vision which was almost always a double feature. And um, we're going to interrupt the movie, you know, like we do. <laughs> even, though, even though we don't have any commercials, we just put some commercial breaks in there anyway and interrupt the movie. 
um, which when they wanted to do that for the for the marathon last summer, I thought, are you crazy? You know, on a streaming service, people are going to be so pissed. But people liked it; they didn't they didn't mind. So so we're going to keep doing that. Um, my first job that I had at the movie channel years ago. We did not interrupt the movie. We just did an introduction, and then I talked about it after the movie. Um, but I guess, you know, uh, we've actually invented a new format. I mean, Netflix interrupts stuff for ads, but they don't really interrupt stuff for other content, you know. So um, so anyway, um, again, they don't, they don't like me to tell um, titles, but uh, it's... Um, it's a mixture of, um, you know, they like it when I go back into the eighties, when I do these, uh, you know, appreciations of the eighties movies. Yeah. Uh, so there's some of that, um, there's some so bad it's good movies. There's some foreign, foreign horror. Um, there's some more recent horror from, you know, directors that I like. Um, and uh, it's just all over the lot. It's just like there's no rhyme or reason to it. I mean, the only thing I can say about the structure of it is if 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 I really test your patience with a with one of those difficult movies that are they're kind of hard to watch, then it'll probably be followed up with a goofy '80s movie. So so we try to mix it up so it's not uh, too intense for the whole five hours or however long it is. Sounds great. <laughs> a good mixed bag. Yeah. What uh, percentage do you get to choose the movies? If or do you choose all of them? Um, uh, it's like uh, it's basically two people: me and the director, Austin Jennings. And you know, first we look at what Shutter already owns, and then we then we make a wish list of stuff. We we, we try to we try to make them buy stuff for us. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Sometimes they're successful. Sometimes they're not. Um, we we got a problem with uh, Lionsgate because they 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 stick in the they they put in their contracts that you can't interrupt the movie, oh. so we can't use Lionsgate films on our show. Um, we're we're asking them to maybe loosen that up for our show. You know, uh, I think they put it in there because they don't want commercials. Yeah. So I think they may not care. Uh, if we can get through their legal department and, and uh, you know, get a different contract from them. But um, so um, and then some movies, you just you just can't find who owns them. Some of the movies that I That's asked crazy. for, we can't figure out who, who owns the movie. That's <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, and some of them, we can't find a, a decent uh, uh, copy that you can that you can stream, um, uh, oddly enough. Uh, so, um, uh, so it's, it's, uh, uh, it's rough and, uh, you know, um, uh, some of these licenses are for, you know, three months, six months, whatever. And so if they put it on my show, they want to leave the show up for a long time. And so they don't want me to do that movie because, you know, the license is going to expire four or five months. So they want to. Because they want to put it up on demand later, not not right when it's when theirs, but later. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of hurdles to jump through just to get stuff going. So I guess yeah, 
What was the first movie you, you showed on the Monster Vision? Boy, that's a good question. Because um, we, we would be going back to 1985 yeah. or 6 on the movie channel. And I don't remember what the very first movie was. Um, oh. I'm sure it was something kind of crappy because... <laughs> <laughs> the reason they hired me at the movie channel is they'd gone over to these film markets in Europe and they'd bought all this crap and uh, they, brought, they brought it back to, to New York and they didn't know what to do with it and so they decided they would get a host who would you know uh, make give you another reason to watch that time slot you know so um, that's the only reason I started working for the movie channel is like uh, what what are we going to do with all this crap we bought? And some of it was horror, and some of it was sex comedies, and some of it was action, some of it was kung fu. I mean, it was just a, it was just a, every kind of every kind of exploitation movie you can imagine. And um, and uh, I was like, yeah, that's my that's my sweet spot. <laughs> I love all those genres. And so uh, uh, so I I stayed there eleven years doing that. Um, and we had oh, yeah. movies that I never did figure out. <clears throat> I didn't figure out where they came from, what they were about. You know, we, we had really bad movies. We had uh, <laughs> we had one called Super Beast uh, from the Philippines, and it was there was no beast in the movie. I don't know why it was called <laughs> Super Beast. It was just these people wandering around in the jungle in the Philippines looking for the Super Beast. You know, and they never they never found it. Was <laughs> that? Think there was was some, a, well, it's kind of like looking for Bigfoot. They yeah, that's really what I was about to say. Is a Super Beast the yeah, Philippines yeah, Bigfoot? There's a big. At least in a Bigfoot movie, you see some uh, you know guy in a bear suit eventually. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> true. Well, how did you like? Did they approach you to be the host of that, or did you have to audition for something like that? They were they were just bringing in guest hosts, you know, coming okay. in and introducing four movies. And so I came in and did a guest host thing where it was just it was just me and my Lazy Boy recliner with the steer horns on the back. That's, That's awesome. that was it. That was the whole set. And I just stared down the barrel of the camera and introduced these four movies. And um, after it was over, they said. Um, you know that well. That was good. Come up, come back next month and do it again. So I came back the next month, did it again. After that was you know come back next month, do it again. Every month, you know come back next month, do it again. I'm flying from Dallas to New York to do these things, and um, uh, I just I stayed there 11 years. It was it was always like that. It was like come back next month, come back and do it again. <laughs> like, Damn, 11 said, years, even, once a month. I don't, I don't even think we had a contract for like four years. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> like, let's do some more of these things. And uh, um, finally, they had some other hosts that eventually got fired, um, except the only two left were me and Robert Osborne, if you remember him, the Hollywood reporter guy who did you know, like how, the golden age of Hollywood movies. And so um, Robert was in uh, L.A., and uh, I was I was the last host left in these uh, huge studios in Spanish Harlem in Manhattan. It's the old Dumont network. You know, in the 50s, they had four TV networks. One of them was the Dumont network. They did the Honeymooners there. And, uh, and uh, you know, my little set was like in one corner of this huge soundstage. And I said, you know, guys, uh, I could probably get you a better deal 
on a much smaller stage in Dallas, you know, and I wouldn't have to come up here all the time. <laughs> and they said, great, great. And so we just moved everything to Dallas and, uh, uh, and did for year, then for years, even, in, even the years at TNT, uh, it was all done from Dallas. And so, um, so I didn't have to uh, fly to New York all the time, but, um, that, that was, a. uh, an easy show to do compared to TNT monster vision because monster vision, I would be on seven, eight, nine times during every movie. It was a monster of a job because <laughs> we were on 52 weeks a year. We had oh, at yeah. least two, two movies a week. That's 104 movies. And then sometimes we'd have marathons. So you had, had, uh, you know, 20, 30 movies of that. And then sometimes we'd have specials. So it was probably like, 150, 160 movies a year for how many years? Like 16 years, if you include the movie channel years. So it's um, however many movies that is. That's how many movies I've hosted. Probably 2,000 movies. And uh, all of them require a lot of... You got to know about the movie when you start talking about it. And uh, there weren't a lot of ways to find out about the movie. You know, there was no internet for most of that time. Yeah. And uh, and even when there was an internet, the early days of the internet, there was no reliable information on the internet. There's still not reliable information on the no. internet. I I actually try to avoid the internet um, when I'm researching this stuff because there's there will be a uh, somebody makes a mistake or puts up a false false information on there it gets repeated a thousand times and it becomes real information on the internet <laughs> and so. I don't really like the internet as far as a place to find out, you know, the truth about movies or the truth about anything. <laughs> the truth. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, so there was a whole lot of research that had to be done on, on all those movies, the ones we could find. Uh, yeah, I was wondering kind of uh, the, the last dive in is they put it up on demand. Are they going to do that with the uh, holiday marathon too, or are they, are they just going to be live? Um, they will, but they don't know when they will, because um, we're trying to make these live events. Because we found that that's what the what most people want. Um, you know, uh, there's a there's a Facebook group called the the Drive-In Mutants that gets together um, and uh, um, watches movies every week together. And uh, but it started because of the last drive-in. And awesome. and there's all these people that um, that uh, are on Slack that um, uh, you know they stay on Slack when it, uh, they're going to stay on Slack through both marathons and talk to each other while the thing is going on. There's a whole bunch of people that are going to live tweet. Um, there are um, you know the male girl is going to be on duty through the whole thing um, dealing with people's. Uh, questions and comments and everything, and um, uh, there's just there's just massive uh, social media as associated with it, so that it becomes a group experience, and I like that. I like that. Right? We even had that back in the days of Monster Vision, the really early days of chat rooms on the internet. Yeah, you know, we had a TN room, and people would people would uh, go to that chat room while the show was on. And so it's not exactly a new thing, but it's like there's so many 
more ways to communicate uh, now. Um, and so people are going to be using Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Twitter, um, and Slack uh, <laughs> to, to, for the, to be the audience for this. And uh, so it makes it more, I don't know, just makes it more fun, um, um, you know, for, 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 the, for, for it to be like going to the drive-in. <laughs> it, it does. It, it's, it, there's, there's, I don't know, you say it's not a new thing, but it's like we don't get stuff like that a lot currently, even though it's the, <clears throat> with social media, everything is like it's ripe for it. And this is something we don't get a lot in that. It's, I don't know, there's some kind of a feeling of community there along with the movies, and it's, I don't know, there's something magic about it, I think. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Netflix would never would never do this because Netflix thinks that the future of entertainment is one person with one device streaming one piece of content at a time on his schedule. That's what they think is the future. Maybe that is the future, but there's a huge part of the of the audience that feels lonely when you do that, and they want a communal experience, and they want to uh, have the emotional experience of watching a movie in a group and having the same emotional experience with other people, and then talking about it. And um, so we're you know we're creating that. We're not just dropping these things at a time and everyone watch them whenever they want to watch. Them. Um, uh, so we're kind of going against the religion of streaming, <laughs> but but I've found people 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 want that. I mean, I, I I do presentations of movies all over the country, and usually about eighty percent of my audience has already seen the movie. Uh, so why are they coming? They're coming to have an emotional experience with other people. Uh, they're coming yeah. to have to have the discussion, to have the the um, the the uh, uh, the audience reaction. You know, all the all the things that you want uh, when you when you um, uh, are watching a great movie or even a bad movie. You know, you 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 want to feel what other people are feeling. So um, so anyway, that's the way we have it set up like this. Where you got to show up at nine o'clock on Black Thursday. Actually, we're calling it Red Thursday now. Uh, and uh, uh, and by the way, the dinners of death thing on Thanksgiving has my favorite movie of all time. Um, I was never able to show this movie at the movie channel or TNT because it was on the too grisly for cable list. It was considered too grisly for even premium TV, even premium cable, even paid TV. You know, they would not show it. And so it's only been wow. in the last 10 years or so that um, it's been released from uh, the band list. And so we can show it on uh, on Shudder. Not that, I mean, Shudder would probably show anything. I mean, uh, <laughs> they would probably censor, um, you know, they, they would censor me before they would censor a movie. So... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so anyway, we, we have we have um, uh, dinners of death. We have two absolute classics. We have one of the most intense and violent films ever ever made. Oh wow! And we have and we have one goofy '80s film. <laughs> so, right. 
So the one that you said is too uh, really violent and all that. Is that currently? I mean, I'm not going to ask you what it is, but is that currently already on Shutter, or is it only going to be on your show? That's a good question. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. Uh, usually, usually they are available on Shutter uh, even even before I host them, um, but I'm not sure. Uh, okay. Well, I know that. I know that like we have Mandy, and it's not going to be released till the 29th. Uh, yeah. So that will not be on the show. <laughs> um, <clears throat> But uh, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the movies that we showed last time were already on Shutter, but nobody had watched them until we put them on the on the marathon, um, yeah. including Tourist Trap. You know, it wasn't that popular. There weren't many people downloading it. We, we kind of I'm, I'm I'm happy about that because we kind of revived the reputation of it. You definitely can do that. Yeah, I mean, you made you made Blood Feast watchable. <laughs> That's a feat. Well, Blood Feast will never quite be watchable, but, <laughs> but it has historic importance, you know. The the other one that surprised me is um, Legend of Boggy Creek. I, I don't think people have been watching Legend of Boggy Creek over the years, <laughs> and, and we kind of like revived interest in that one, you know. Uh, the Bigfoot genre is... Um, uh, kind of thin. I mean, there aren't that many good ones. I do think Legend of Boggy Creek is one of the better ones. Um, but um, uh, it's getting a 4K Blu-ray release. Oh, really? Well, that's because I think uh, I think Charles Pierce's daughter has um, uh, retaken control of the estate and 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 the rights, and I'm sure she set up that deal, and that's that's a great thing because. Uh, you know, I'm sure they, uh, you know, cleaned it up and cleaned up the soundtrack and everything. And hopefully they got some of the Crabtree family to talk about it. <laughs> Crab every, almost every character in the film is named Crabtree. <laughs> Everybody, I, I guess half half of Falk, Arkansas is named Crabtree. So, um, <laughs> hey, Joe, Bob, we actually know about a Bigfoot movie, Takahe. That's a that's one. When if you ever get a chance to check out, you should look it up. Okay. Yeah, Where it's from a Bigfoot? local director out of Nashville. Yeah, T A K U H E. Yeah. Takahe. Yeah. T A K U H E. And where does Takahe live? Uh, I guess the Yeti. It's a Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, I I had never heard of a, a Bigfoot legend around here, but apparently there is one. So they uh, they go out camping and like, but they they have the this Bigfoot scream, it's, it's, oh, God, it's perfect. It's better than the old Patterson footage, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was shot in Middle Tennessee about 30 minutes out of Nashville, I want to say. Uh, okay. From uh, George Dimmick. Yeah, George Dimmick. George Dimmick's the director. He's been around for a while directing movies. But, yeah, it's something, I mean, if you get a chance, you should check that out. All right, I'll check that one out. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Maybe feature it on drama. There's a lot of movies come out of Nashville over the years. Yeah, it's most a... Of them, most, most, of them, most of them star in a country western star who can't act. But. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Very true. Rising to fame. Need a good horror movie to come out of Nashville or around here. Besides Evil Dead. Well, yeah. What was the Sylvester Stallone country western movie with Dolly Parton? 
you know, one of the rhinestone. Rhinestone Cowboy? No, it was just called Rhinestone. Oh, okay. It was one of the worst movies in the history of the film. That sounds <laughs> freaking horrible. <laughs> Sylvester Why? Stallone. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone as a freaking. So it's Rambo and Dolly Parton together? Yeah. Well, oh, Dolly my God. Parton I just pulled up a picture of him. Uh, turns Sylvester Stallone into a. Into a uh, she makes a bet with somebody that she can turn Sylvester Stallone into a country western star. So it has Sly Stallone singing. Oh. <laughs> it's just horrible. It's just horrible. Oh <laughs> like I'm looking at him in his jumpsuit and Dolly Parton. It's oh my god. He should not be wearing that. <laughs> No. Hey, could they make a sequel to that? Nowadays? God, I hope not. <laughs> it's got fifteen percent on Rotten Tomato. Wow, that's, that's really fifteen percent. I'm surprised it got. Yeah, 15. that's. I was see. I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, "There's movies that got way worse than that." <laughs> that's fucked up. Oh shit, Joe. I wanted to ask you. Uh, I was listening to a podcast you was on, and uh, you said you got a writing job at. Did I hear it correct? Thirteen years old. Yeah, I was living in Little Rock, Arkansas, and, they, and they, uh, at the Arkansas Democrat, which was an afternoon paper, they, um, uh, I got a job as a in the sports department as an apprentice uh, copy boy. Um, but in, in those days, uh, especially if you were at the the afternoon paper, uh, they called it a copy boy, but you you had to write everybody at the paper had to write because they they needed to fill up the paper and so i would go in before school and write five or six little articles before i went to school (laughs) and then cover games at night cover games on the weekend cover high school football cover amateur golf stuff like that and um so yeah, so that, that's how I learned to write is getting up at five in the morning and going into the <laughs> to the paper and 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 writing these articles on deadline um, uh, in the sports department at the paper there. Did uh, people um, know that they were reading articles from a thirteen-year-old perspective, or you know, just? Well, hell no, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was like. I was just sitting there thinking, like, you know, you got this like yeah. really avid fan, like, that's a fuck that article. He's, you know, like just <laughs> getting pissed off about what you wrote, how bad they are, or whatever. You know, I I would get I, I got chewed out one time by this um, uh, high school football coach in uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas. It's like, what the hell are you doing in my dressing room? Who are you? What are you doing here? You know, it's like. And it's like like I was a little kid, little kid spy from the other school or something. <laughs> and it was, and uh, yeah, the people were frequently uh, surprised to see the, <laughs> the little kids showing up like at the big at the big um, uh, Arkansas Razorback games, football games. They would send me to uh, That's wild. do the uh, locker room interviews. You know, they wouldn't send me to cover the game, but they'd send me to do the locker room interviews after the game. You know, and, it's, and, it, and, and it was like, it was like, do you work here? Where'd you come from? What's your job here? Because you know? <laughs> I was too young to be doing that. And then I would, and then when I was, um, when I was uh, 18 years old, the first summer of, um, uh, the first summer of college, um, 
I got a, um, a job at the Philadelphia Inquirer in the sports department there. And uh, sure enough, it, like the Phillies were so bad that uh, they sent me to cover the Phillies out of town. And so the guys in the other press boxes would write stories about, hey, there's this kid covering Major League Baseball. <laughs> and so I remember one time I was in uh, Cincinnati, three, I don't know, I, I can't remember, the old stadium in Cincinnati. And, uh, and uh, uh, they wrote an they, they wrote so many articles about me that I got distracted and I, and I fucked up the, the, uh, the game. <laughs> I, had, I had the wrong pinch hitter. I like wasn't paying attention to the thing. I had the wrong pinch hitter and everything. And I, and I got, I got royally chewed out when I got back to Philadelphia. But anyway, it was, it was, um, uh, uh, I, I, I thought at the time I was going to be a sports writer, you know, but, <laughs> I got I got really bored with it. Um, after you've been through the seasons three or four times, you know, yeah. they're all alike. Like I mean, and, and I, I didn't like being chewed out by coaches and treated like shit by coaches all the time. It's like, especially the college football coaches, they're just horrible to you. They just hate you. I, I don't know why. They just automatically hate you. And if you ask a question that they don't like, they just like they can, they can like just make you feel like the smallest person in the world. And I don't know if that's changed at all. But when but when I was doing it, it was like um, I didn't really want to be around these people. <laughs> these are awful people. You know, um, Bobby Knight. I I lived in fear. Of, of having to ask Bobby Knight a question. <laughs> well, he had a temper. I mean, his temper was fucking unreal. He threw a chair. He threw a chair the length of the court and hit some guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I later had that guy on my show on Monster Vision. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. The guy that got hit by the Bobby Knight chair. That was his claim to fame. We had him on the show. <laughs> he was a nice guy from Indianapolis. Uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine asking Bobby Knight a question. and be like, yes, sir, your, your team's doing well. Thank you. Have, have a good day. <laughs> and just walk out. You want him to ask him a question? Yeah, just, yes, sir. Nope. Come out. <laughs> I was like, are, aren't we all in this together? Isn't this yeah. basically the entertainment business? You know? It's like, what you know? Why are they so? Why are they so hostile to the press? I don't get it. You know, don't they need us? <laughs> you would think, you know, it shouldn't be different from any other form of show business, but they, it is different. Boy, they are different. <laughs> yeah, they. I guess they make so much money, especially now. I don't know if they made it back then, but now they make, and everything has to be so secretive, and they really don't like you talking about them. Like Nick yeah, Saban's well, like. See, I went to Vanderbilt. You guys are from Middle Tennessee. Yeah. I went to Vanderbilt. And so we, we didn't really have that arrogance about our, no. about our teams. <laughs> no, they still don't. They're, they're still trying to draw people in the stadium. Like they had the coach. Exactly. They had the coach come on the radio and like, you know, ads like, come and fill a Vanderbilt stadium with black and gold. Anchor down. <laughs> you know, like they're really trying to draw people in. Like, yeah, it was so bad when I was there. One year they couldn't get anybody to go out for Mr. Commodore, oh, the mascot. Yeah, they couldn't. They had zero applications for, for guys who wanted to wear the Mr. Commodore costume and be <laughs> on the sidelines. So oh, uh, you know, so yeah, not a big deal. 
They didn't even want to, <laughs> the freaking, the students didn't even want to watch the game. Most of them still right. don't. Because, I mean, it's an academic school. Like, it takes yeah. so much to well, beat. That was, that was always the problem. You know, some of these schools that are that are uh, private schools, somehow they managed to get those 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 uh, offensive those 350 pound offensive linemen qualified to to enroll you know like <laughs> USC USC you know they always mm-hmm. have great teams they they're it's that's a similar school to Vanderbilt have about the same amount of students um, and it's a private school uh, but somehow they get them qualified you know and we, we were always like, oh, academic standards. Nope, you can't come here. Nope, you can't come here. You know, and, the, and I was always like, well, you know, yeah, but, you know, if if they were a genius at playing the piano, you'd probably let them come here. What? Maybe they're just a genius at being an offensive lineman. You know, go ahead and let that guy from North Alabama come here. Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> uh, but that was always a problem. They, they couldn't get. They couldn't get the great players academically qualified. Surely they can, you know, forge uh, some grades well, that's what here most and there. Of them do. <laughs> Either that, or they pay them now. Yeah. Yeah. No, in the old days, the faculty would cooperate with you. Yeah. Meaning old, meaning the 1930s. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> in the old days. Well, um, we we ask uh, people this question uh, a lot. Do you have any ghost stories? Ghost stories? Uh, I mean, if you don't, gosh, it's fine. Not really. I mean, I'd have to go back to my Boy Scout days when we would go out, out into the woods of rural Arkansas, and um, um, you know, and they'd leave us out there for for three days. No, oh, damn. <laughs> and, and and every every movement in the woods, we would think was with uh, Bigfoot. something that was going to kill us because we were like, we were like kids from the suburbs or something, but I don't have any actual ghost stories that are like, you know, uh, being in a haunted hotel or anything. I, I always hope that I will. <laughs> I've been in a lot of hotels that claim to have a ghost. See, um, I'm in the same boat with I, you. <laughs> I, I want to see a ghost. Like I, I don't necessarily believe in ghosts, but cause I haven't seen one, but you know, I mean, It'd be cool to see a ghost, as long as it didn't, like, attack me. I like the idea of seeing a ghost, but I don't know how I would react to it. You'd probably be scared. <laughs> Big old guy, like, oh, shit, no, I'm done. Uh, a ghost. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking. Hey, uh. Yeah. I mean, a ghost is not, they don't, have, they don't do ghost stories much in the movies anymore. Um, uh, they do zombies, they do werewolves, they do, you know, other kinds of creatures, but something about a ghost is like not quite scary enough, and and it, it takes actually a more skilled form of of, of uh, filmmaking. Um, it's harder to do ghosts than it is to do zombies, so everybody does zombies. <laughs> yeah, everybody yes. does zombies. What yeti? I said that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've seen a lot of really bad ghost movies. Like they try, but it's just it just doesn't work out. <laughs> now they just do like demonic possession. You gotta you gotta know how to do those jump scares, you know, where yeah. they get whenever the ghost appears, it's got to scare the fuck out of you, and uh, and and uh, most young filmmakers, you know, are not are not good at those techniques. No. Uh-huh. 
I mean, there's only been a handful of great ghost movies. You know who makes ghost movies? The Chinese. They 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 love ghosts. Um, well, they got all these movies that don't never make it over to the U.S. But uh, the Asians in general love ghosts. Hey, um, have you seen the movie so Ghost House? No. It's got it, Scout Taylor Compton in it. It was shot in Thailand. Oh yeah, really? Okay, uh, good. It's well, a it's a pretty good ghost movie. Apparently, in Thailand, everyone has a ghost house. Like they set up a little house for ghosts. Almost to go, like a mailbox. It looks yeah, like. to for ghosts to go live in. Oh great! <laughs> yeah, and my question to them was, well, if people have really nice ghost houses, wouldn't other ghosts like try to invade the nice ghost house? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's like the big you know, mansion, mansion ghost house. house? Yeah. I mean, I'd want to go live in that one. Fuck my little one. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's uh, pretty crazy, but... What, Yeti? I said Asian ghosts are way scarier. <laughs> our, our ghosts don't hold a candle to theirs. I know. They have those, uh, what do they call them, hopping ghosts or hopping... Yeah, hopping ghost. Um, uh, I, I don't know. It's like it's a genre that's never made it across the ocean. We don't really, we don't really watch those movies. But so I um, guess they can't hop across yeah, the ocean. I should, I should do one. I should do one on Shutter though. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna do some. Jap- I'm gonna do some Japanese horror. Um, Hell yeah! Uh, Japanese horror is a lot more intense than uh, American horror. I mean, they will put stuff on. They'll put anything on the screen. Hey, what are, stuff that probably get them an X rating over here. What about? <laughs> have you seen Train to Busan? Yeah, yeah, good, a good example. That's a good uh, um, Korean film, and there's actually a lot of good Korean horror and Korean thrillers and Korean suspense. Um, they've had a great, you know, run of the last twenty years of uh, their film industry has really been strong. And, um, you know, like Japan was big in the 90s, and then Korea sort of like went crazy on on horror. Um, and I, I've been pushing Shudder to try to get us some of that stuff, you know, some of the some of the more obscure ones, some of the ones yeah. that not everyone has seen, you know, because, uh, you know, people have seen Audition and people have seen Ichi the Killer and, and uh a few of the Asian, uh, you know, horror films, but uh, I, although I would love to show Audition, I love Audition. Um, um, but you, you know the movie I'm talking about with um, with uh, the acupuncture girl <laughs> and <laughs> the acupuncture torturer girl. Mm, um, that sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a Takashi Miike movie. Takashi Miike. I think the reason we know that Takashi Miike is one of the few Japan, Japan directors we know is that we can pronounce his name. So anyway, I'm pushing Shutter to get us some more some more Asian horror. Um, they like Scandinavian stuff, and you know, I, I, there's no rhyme or reason to what they buy. But, um, uh, but I, I wish we had a lot more of that stuff. Yeah, uh, another another one that I was uh, always would enjoy was uh, it's it's not Scandinavian. I don't know, it's Russian, I guess. 
or something, but it's uh, Dead Snow. I haven't seen Dead Snow, uh, but I, I, I've heard of it. I think that's the uh, World War II zombies. Yeah, yeah. No, I know the one you're talking okay. about. It was, it was made in Finland, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the first one was uh, all, I guess, German or whatever language. And then the second one, they actually had English. But yeah, it's more of a horror comedy, I believe. I'll check that one out. I, I wish more people would send me more suggestions, actually, as to what we should show, because um, a lot, I'm, I'm tired of going back to the 80s all the time. I don't <laughs> want to go back to the 80s. There was, well, Yeti? Stuff in the 80s. There was crap in the 80s. <laughs> hey, Yeti, uh, you, uh, you want to make a list for them and you could send to them? <laughs> Hell oh, yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I would like to see you do, like, we're t- you're talking about how, you know, the stuff they make in Japan would be exciting over here. I would like to see some, like, uh, the guinea pig series on fucking, see, like, a more wide introduction to the Japanese guinea pig series. That's, uh, I think that would be neat. I think it'd scar a bunch of people for life, but I think it'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll put that on the list. <laughs> Have you, uh, have you seen those? I don't think so. Um, I know I kind of know what you're talking about, but I'm, I, I haven't watched those. They're, uh, the, the big mythos around them is that Harley Sheen got handed a copy of one of them at a party. And uh, I think it was Chris Gore handed him a copy of one of the, the guinea pig movies from Japan. He watched it and immediately called the FBI. Because he was certain that this man had handed him a snuff film. Yep. <laughs> That's great. Well, now I want to see it. Yeah, Yeti yeah. Yeti is our resident extreme horror guy. Yeah. He likes the, the really hardcore horror movies. Gore. Okay, Gore. Well, you'll like the third one. You'll like the third one on the Dinners of Death Marathon. Hell yeah. We're definitely looking forward to that Dinners of Death marathon, for sure. And oh. everything to come with uh, Joe, Bob, and Shudder. <clears throat> and I believe it's a perfect pairing for you to be on Shudder. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I, hope, I hope it continues to be, uh, um, you know, so much love pouring out of the horror community that uh, uh, I hope they continue to like what we're trying to do. I'm sure you won't have no problem there. I think from the last drive-in issues, I believe that showed that everybody wants to see Joe Bob back. So, well, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, like we said, we or I say, and everybody else, we're glad to see you back, and can't wait for more. Great. Well, watch the two marathons because. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, we're we're kind of going in a little different direction, but uh, I think you'll you'll like it, especially the Christmas one. Hell I'm yeah! Looking forward to that. It's yeah, be for fun. sure. Well, Joe Bob, we appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your day to come on, and uh, hope you have a good Thanksgiving. And we're gonna have a good Thanksgiving with you. <laughs> okay, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. You have a good okay. one. Okay. All right. Thank you, Joe Bob. All right, thank you. All right, guys. So uh, don't forget the uh, Dinners of Death, November 22nd, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 8 Central, 
six Pacific and seven Mountain. Just so you know, if you don't know how to tell time or convert that yeah. shit. Or Red Thursday, as it's being called by Joe Bob and the Shutter Crew. Uh, make sure y'all check that out. And uh, we appreciate y'all listening to us and taking the time out to uh, listen to this interview. Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, we appreciate Joe Bob and uh, just and his staff for even getting back with us. I mean, oh yeah, for contacting sure. us back and giving yeah. us that opportunity yeah. is fucking awesome. Big shout out to Tracy. Yes, thank you, Tracy. So that's all we got. Yep. We out, Pete. Yeah, they spooked you, son. I'm an asshole.